That's some rockin' designated huggers music. Aaron Oaks, come forth, sir. Aaron is going to pray for the message this morning and for me. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your church. We thank you for this man right here. We pray that you would just bless him, fill him up with more than he needs, and uh, pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds and our ears. Again, we thank you, we love you, and everyone said, Amen. Thank you, sir. Well, as we're right about to jump into the Easter season, I thought um, that I, I, there, was, there was one topic I, uh, I wanted to hit before we get there, and, and uh, that was the uh, controversial claim of Jesus Christ. Actually, there were several, but there was one um, probably that takes the cake, and we're going to look at that this morning. Um, because if you just jump straight into Easter, not understanding some of the context, uh, it's, it's not going to quite hit us with everything that it should. And I pray that um, we get more this year in Passion Week, that uh, um, it hits us in a new way each and every year. Um, so I want to talk about this this morning, but it, it, it all starts on a very tense night. This tense night, Jesus and his disciples are sitting around a table. And he's trying to talk very seriously with them. And they're not getting it. This seems to be a repeated thing with the disciples that Jesus would speak. He'd try to clue them in to who he was and what he was going to do. And that's, that's what this night is about. He's trying to, he said, listen, this, there's a really big thing going on here. And so it gets very tense. And he says, one of you this night is going to betray me. Now they all look around and they go, who, me? What, no, me? No, and they're all going around like this and Jesus goes, stop. It's the one I give the bread to when I dip it. So he, this is in John's account. He dips the bread, he's going like this and he stops at Judas and he gives the bread to Judas. Now, here's what I don't understand. I don't understand how the disciples could be so dense because he gives it to Judas, and everybody goes, what does that mean? And he says to Judas, whatever you have to do, just go and do it. And Judas gets up, and he leaves, and they are going like, well, oh, probably because he keeps the money for Jesus, and he has to go buy some dessert for the next feast. That's pr pr something like, <laughs> I would tend to want to wanna really uh, be harsh on them. However, however, I can't because I am easily the least observant person that any of you know. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Last week, I was, or a couple of weeks ago, I sat down with Carly as we're making up our, that sheet for all the missionaries and I'm adding some information that she needed. And so I'm just putting a sentence here, a paragraph here, or whatever. And we print out 200 of them. Janelle sits down half an hour later and looks with a pencil. She goes, oh, what's this? What's this? What's this? There were like 30 typos, and almost all of them were stuff that I had just typed. I, I, I don't see details. I miss obvious things sometimes. I could walk down this hallway and stop at a picture on the wall and go, hey, is that new? And they go, are you serious right now? So, so I kind of sympathize with them. Whatever's going on here, I don't know. Maybe right when he was about to give it to Judas, maybe Peter dropped a plate and it shattered and all of them looked and they just totally lost the plot for a second. I don't know. But, but Jesus gives it 
to Judas. Judas leaves, and then Jesus is still trying to get it into their heads, and he tells them this. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and you know the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is his controversial claim. He is the way, the only way to God. Let me ask you, how does this claim go over today? Yeah. (laughs) People say that this is narrow. Well, that's narrow. They say it's intolerant. They say it's exclusive, unkind, that he would dare say he's the way to God. Uh, For many people, this is one of the biggest problems with Christianity, and it can be a perplexing criticism. Now, uh, I, I, I want to talk about this. I want to give you three of my own observations. Now, there's, there's a whole lot that can be said about this. In fact, there's some people who could say things a lot better than I could um, and, and have a whole lot more information on this. If this is the kind of thing that, that interests you or you're struggling through this, let me give you two names. Let's jot these down. One is Ravi Zacharias. He has wonderful discussions on this uh, uh, very much on, on this point, actually. He does a lot on, on this idea. If you want to go to rzim.org, it's a wonderful website. You can listen to uh, a lot of what he has to say. He's brilliant. Another one is, is Tim Keller, who's the pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church uh, in, uh, in Manhattan, and he deals with a lot of this, too. Anything you can read or listen to by these men, I wholeheartedly recommend. You'll, you'll be better for it, I promise you. Um, so I'm not going to uh, uh, do an exhaustive Uh, study on this point this morning. I just want to give you three of my own observations because I think they're crucial as we go into Passion Week. Are you with me so far? Okay. Um, Here are three considerations concerning Christ's claim. Do you like my alliteration here? I'm full of C's. I don't know why. First is this. Much of the outrage we hear comes from those who would never be satisfied anyway. Let me show you what I mean. It's fun that I'm doing this talk this weekend because this happens to be a very important weekend. This is the first weekend of March Madness. Terry Crabb. The Ducks play this afternoon, second round. Not the third round, it's the second round. Let me show you what the brackets over time have looked like. Now, follow me here. I know you have a lot of like, non-sports fans and your eyes are glazing over. Honestly, I didn't even, how many filled out a bracket this year? Okay, a whole bunch of you. I didn't even fill one out this year because college basketball just bores me now. Sorry, I'm an NBA guy. Um, but I wanna show you, I wanna show you the evolution of the bracket, okay? So hang with me, I'm going somewhere with this, all you non-sports fans, okay? In 1939, this is what the bracket looked like. There were eight teams. Went like that for a while. Then in 1951, 12 years later, they doubled it. Now twice the teams get in, okay? So now there's 16 teams that have a chance to win the national championship. 
1975, they had increased it a little bit a few years, and now they're all the way up to 32. Now, that's a pretty big tournament, 32 teams. Is that enough? Oh, no, we're in the age of expansion here. 1980, they bumped it up to 48 teams. And then five years later, they say, hey, let's keep going. This is fun. So they added another 16, and now it's a 64-team tournament. Whew, that's good enough, right? No. Because in 2001, somebody has this genius idea. You know what? That, that we need another team in there. So they add a play-in game. So there are 65 teams. And then four years ago, they added three more play-in games. Now there are, here's what the bracket looks like now. It's not even one bracket. You've got these in-between little things, and it's a mess. 68 teams. And guess what? It's not done growing. Here's what I want to suggest to you. Suppose Jesus said, I am the way to the Father. I am one of five. The others are Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, and Judaism. Would that satisfy us? Would that satisfy our culture? No, because it will wait a minute. Hold on just a second. Hold on just a second. <laughs> See, we're, we're, we're dominated by a consumeristic culture. And here's, here's, the, here's what I think the top ethic in a consumeristic culture is. It's this. The customer is always right. If that's the dominating mindset of our culture, which it really is, you, don't have, you, go, you go to a restaurant, they, they don't have provolone, they only have Swiss. Well, I never. <laughs> Why don't you guys have provolone? What's your provolone? It's amazing. I gotta talk to, I gotta talk to your supervisor. This is unbelievable. If Jesus said, okay, I said five, but you're right. We didn't include Confucianism. So we're going to say six, all right? Okay, so let's add that. Now, now Jesus says, I am a way, one of six, a truth, one of six, and a life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me or one of these other five options. I'm telling you, people wouldn't be satisfied. <laughs> if we, it, it, I, I think this is shallow. Can I just say that? I think this is shallow, that we would be unsatisfied with the way. Because here's what he, you have to step back and think about this. Here's the offer of life eternal, and he's giving it to us on a plate. But so many of us look down at the plate and go, what, no curly fries? <laughs> you see, we're not going to be satisfied anyway. We're going to want that number to grow just like the NCAA bracket has grown and grown and grown until there is, well, there's unlimited options. And that's just, that's a part of our culture. And honestly, I really do think it's very shallow. I think it's shallow. So you're not going to be satisfied anyway. So if people are outraged, well, he says he's the only way. Honestly, the first, that's one of the first things that goes out of my mind. Well, we, you know, are you, would you actually be satisfied if there were more? Or do you just want your particular favorite way to be included? Should that be included for everyone? Do you see what I'm saying? I think it's shallow. Um, second consideration here. Reality is always exclusive. Reality is always exclusive. Before I moved to Oregon, I lived uh, at a YWAM missionary uh, base, which was stationed at an old hippie commune in Northern California. And this had one of these classic stories of you have these naked hippies that 
would, you know, come together and live in freedom and all this stuff. And then, um, you know, a young evangelist gets in there, tells them about Jesus. They all get saved and put clothes on and celebrate Jesus. It was one of these amazing stories, you know, of the Jesus movement, like 1971 or something like that. And, uh, and so that's what happened. And then they start calling this land. It's still a hot spot on the hippie trail uh, right on the coast, and they start calling this land the Lord's Land, which is a very awesome hippie kind of name, isn't it? Um, so uh, for years and years, it's a, it's a Christian commune, and then they invited Youth of the Mission to come over and make this one of their uh, training centers. Now, um, the, uh, it, it's way out there. If you ever want to visit this place, it's, it's way out there. Um, here's a map. This is of uh, zoomed out, or, or, you know, a, a bit there where on the right side would be Highway 101. This is about three hours northwest of San Francisco. Now, it's very difficult to get there. You have to go through the redwood forests along a river in between these big ridges. So you'll definitely get a stomachache along the way. Um, and because it's so far out there and these, uh, you know, it's, it's only three miles from the coast. So um, people always wondered, okay, how do I get there? Because I looked online, and the minute somebody would say that, we'd like, stop, 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 stop. Don't get your directions online. Because here's the thing. It might take you a different way. There's one way to, there's only one way to get there. You have to go all the way to the, you have to go until you see the ocean. You have to drive until you see the ocean, and then turn up Navarro Ridge Road and drive up the ridge. That's the only way to get there, because you're up like this, and you can't, like, drive straight up the hill. That's the only way to get there. However, some of the websites would do this. If you type in the Lord's Land, they would tell you to go this way. Okay. That's an old logging road that's not in commission. <laughs> you can't go that way. It, it, you might, if you have a quad, uh, you might be able to make it, but you're not going to be able to make it there. So we'd have to say, okay, please, we have to put all these disclaimers on the website. If you're coming to stay at the Lord's Land, you have to come all the way to the coast. You have to come to Highway 1 before you turn up. I promise, just trust me. There's only one way to get there. Now, <laughs> not every road is like this. Not every destination is like this. But here's the truth. There's only one way to get to this place. There's only one way if you're driving. This other way, that's Siri's way. Siri is a homicidal maniac who wants to kill you. <laughs> Don't listen to Siri. She's wrong. I'm telling you, she's wrong about this. This is not a way. This is not a valid way. Now, is that offensive to say that? Is it? Guys, reality is like that. Reality is like that, and we know it's like that. So it's so strange to me that we get caught in this modern philosophical things as if it would be cruel to say, no, no, that's not, that, don't go that way. That won't lead you to where you want to go. But I will submit to you that there's only one way to get to the Lord's land. You, know, you might say, okay, well, that's true of there. Maybe there's only one way to get to that particular destination. But there's a whole lot of ways to get to Dickie Joe's and Eugene. Okay, that's true. That's true. You could take Highway 99 and hit the Beltline, couldn't you? Or you could take Northwest Expressway, uh, a prairie road, and go straight through town and then go across the bridge. You could do that too. Or you could take Prairie, or excuse me, River Road, all the way around and hit the Beltline and go that way. There's, there's a ton of ways. But you know what? You're not going to get there off West 7th Street in Junction City. That will not lead you to Dickie Joe's. 
It's going to end. You can't do it off, what's this one? Juniper, you, you can't get to Dickie Joe's on Juniper Street. I promise you it won't get to where you want to go. Nor can you take Calmia, nor Nyssa. Those destinations do not lead you to where you want to go. Are you with me? These are simple truths, and I, I, I know it sounds condescending, but this is reality. It's not even cold, cruel reality. It's just reality. We all know these things instinctively. Well, well of course, not every road is going to get you to your destination. That's just reality, and I'm suggesting that eternal reality is exactly the same. It's not even cold. It's not even cruel. It's just like, well, of course, this is the way all of reality is. Not all roads lead to the same destination, you guys. Not everything can be true. If you're going to reject Christianity, do it because you don't think it's true. Don't do it because you're offended that it doesn't think other things are true. Are you with me? So, if you want to get to the Lord's land here, there's only one way. If you want to get to the Lord's land, there's only one way. That's all Jesus is saying. There's only one way. Third reason, first, the outrage is often from those who don't want to be satisfied. Uh, second is uh, reality is always exclusive. The third consideration about his claim is this. If his claim is true, it's the most generous, generous message ever given. Well, let me explain what I mean. In 2007, my family was leaving YWAM Tyler and we were going to move out to California, to this place. Um, and before we were going, sort of midway through the trip as we were making a stop in Minnesota, I had a friend who was a uh, missionary leader in Belize. And his name was Jason, and his wife's name was Sarah, and they had three kids that matched our kids' names. It was really fun. And Jason had the best accent in the world. It, in Belize, they actually sound more, uh, Carib- they sound more like they're in the Carib- Caribbean. Like, they sound Jamaican. And um, so I loved talking to him almost just for that reason. Hey, just talk some more. <laughs> cool. Yeah, we, we, we're, we love accents. I, love, I could just listen to a Wino talk all day long. It's just, just the greatest. I don't know why we're suckers for it, but we are. Um, so I'm about to, um, to go down, and sp- he invited me for, to come down for a week and speak in his training school. Now, um, when they were in East Texas, we have these things called tornado warnings um, <laughs> often. Um, every spring, we'll get a couple, and, and uh, if you're not from there, it can be a very scary thing, but, I, you know, I grew up there. It wasn't a big deal. When we'd have tornado warnings in school, we'd all have to go down the locker room. We'd be pulling out cards, playing, and, but there'd always be somebody in the corner crying, all scared, and we're like, ah, it's just tornado warning. It's one of those things. It just is that way. So we had this big storm that hit when we were in Texas, and this guy, Jason and his wife, they come over, and they're shaking. They're like, there's a tornado warning, and they were living in a mobile home, too. So, and it was like it was rain. It's not like Oregon rain, but like rain, rain. Like all the rain that we get in two days comes out in like a half an hour. Seriously. I mean, it just dumps. And uh, so they're very scared. They're coming over, and so we laughed it off. It wasn't a big deal. Well, I'm about to jump on the plane down to Belize, and I look on the news, and this is what I see. I see, hey, Jason, um, there's a thing called Hurricane Dean. And he goes, hey, man, don't worry about it, man. It's going to go north. It's going to go north. Don't worry about it. I said, yeah, but Jason, what if it... He goes, hey, remember we came over to your house, man? You remember that? And we were all scared? Uh, that, it's the same with the hurricanes down here, man. Don't worry about it. 
wait, they, you know, they happen. We'll be fine. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. So now can you see Belize there? Uh, actually, oh, yeah, I can do this now, can't I? Can I do this? Yes, woohoo, look at that. Isn't that cool? There's Belize. This is the Yucatan Peninsula. This is the south of Mexico. Here's Belize, little tiny nation. And so here's the airport's like right here, and I'm like right here. <laughs> okay? So um, that's what's happening. How do I get done? Oh, there we go. All right. So um, I go, I, I get on the plane, and I go that night. He picks me up. It's beautiful. It's like jungle, tropical. I mean, it's just awesome. I go, and I speak in a church that night. We have a great time. It's at sort of an outdoor setting. It's beautiful. Um, I go and I go to my room and he goes, okay, man, I'll come get you in the morning and we'll start. I'm like, awesome. I get woken up that morning. Jason, it didn't go north. <laughs> <sighs> it's coming straight toward us, man. I'm like, great. He goes, okay, we're going to take you to the airport. You got to get out of the country because we don't know what's going to happen when this hits, okay? <laughs> so I'm like, all right. So they changed my flight. And uh, they take me to the airport, and they drop me off, and I get there, and everything's closed in the airport. People are boarding up windows, and I'm looking around. There's a whole bunch of faces that look like mine, and we're all looking at each other. And it's also right on the ocean, like the, the airport. You're looking out at the ocean, and it was dark. Um, and, well, um, <laughs> this actually is what it looked like. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's coming straight for us. And so we're, we're seeing this, this is dark, menacing kind of thing. A plane lands, like, whew, people get on. Well, there's too many people here in the terminal. Um, and I, I didn't get on. So these people, they get in, and they fly away to safety. <laughs> now I'm thinking, okay, well, all right, if I got to ride this thing out, I mean, these people do it, right? They're not afraid. Well, they're a little afraid. That's not true. They're not afraid. They are afraid. It's a hurricane. Um, but maybe I don't, maybe I could call them back and they could come and drive the extra 30 miles and come. Oh, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. I'm like, all right, so this glass isn't probably going to hold. So what happened? I mean, so we're sitting in here and it's getting, and, and, and it gets dark, like early in the afternoon. And then we hear like what sounds like machine gun fire. <laughs> I look, and it's, it's rain hitting the window, like flying in sideways. I'm like, oh, gosh, this is where it ends. <laughs> All afternoon, we didn't know what to think, and they told us, well, one other plane's going to come back. They're sending one more plane for you guys from Miami. I'm like, Miami, come on, Miami. Come on, Miami. I'll be a Dolphins fan for the rest of my life. Come on, Miami. <laughs> And in the evening, I'd been there, I don't know, about eight hours all day as we're, we're watching. It's getting darker. Here's what it looked like. Okay, not exactly, but <laughs> this is a single cell storm from Montana. The earthquake would be much bigger, but just, you know, you see this darkness rolling closer, and you're like, okay. Finally, a plane comes. We all get on. It is the last plane out of Belize. We step on there. We're like, we're sitting Looking out the window, they start up the engines. Come on, come on, Miami, come on, Miami. And let me tell you, you think hurricanes look big on the map. When you fly around one, you look and you see the size of this thing, and it's not just like that, it's like that. 
I swear it was like miles of dark clouds coming over. And I thought, thank you, Lord. I am safe. I did get to go back the next year, and I gave him a hard time about that. Yeah, is it going north? Is that where it's going? <laughs> I want to suggest to you some similarities. Jesus said a whole bunch of things, not just this one controversial statement. Look at some of the other stuff he said. I and the Father are one. Isn't that a little bit arrogant? Jesus told his people, me and the Father are one. He also told him, now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Did you see what he just said? The glory I had with you before the world began. He claimed to be with God before the world began. In creation. You're kidding me. What else did he say? Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to raise their eyebrows and say, well, I never heard such a thing in my old life. Who is this? who even forgives sins, because only one person that was understood can forgive sins, and here's Jesus doing it. I am the resurrection and the life, he told people. Whoever believes in me, even though he dies, or uh, lives, even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will now never die. He's saying that belief in him gives eternal life. Golly. High priest asked him, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed one? He said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man, me, sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One, my Father, and coming in the clouds of heaven. Okay, um, uh, let's just summarize. He just told everybody he's one with the Father. He was with the Father in the beginning. He forgives sins. He gives eternal life. He will come back with the Father at the end of time, riding on the clouds, no less. These are the things he told people. Are they controversial, arrogant statements? Yes, unless they're true. Is this controversial? Is his statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life, arrogant? Yes, unless it's true. If they're true, then when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, it's a simple statement of fact. But oh, it's the most generous, life-giving fact ever revealed. Who but Jesus is qualified to bring you to the Father? And this is his point. There is no one else. He's the only one qualified. It's a simple statement of fact. There's no one else who's qualified. In other words, look, you can't get away from that hurricane. There's only one way you're getting out, and that's if somebody comes down from the heavens and brings you out. Are you with me? You see, we all have ways that we like to think about this and go, well, what about this way? What about this way? What about this way? You're saying this way doesn't work. You're saying this way. Well, that's really, that's really narrow of you, Jesus. And why doesn't this way work? And what about this way? And he says, no, you can't get there. You can't get there. Friends, you are not good enough to make it to God. I'm very sorry to tell you that, to, to break that news. But you're not good enough to make it to him. Every religion in the world is based on that and trying to build good works, trying to build to follow pillars of a religion or to follow certain practices or meditations or something to make your way to God. And Jesus looks at that table and he brushes it off. He says, nonsense. I came from there and there's no way you can get there except through me. It's not an exclusive, arrogant statement if it's actually the truth. Do you see what this means, guys? 
Jesus said this that night. He goes and prays. He says, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. He says, if it's possible, let's find another way. But guess what? There was no other way. This is the beauty of the cross, friends. There's no other way unless he lays his life down. If there was another way, he would have said, oh, so I don't have to do this. Beautiful. Okay. So we can just like read our Bible and pray and fast and we'll be good? Yeah, okay, great, awesome. So I don't have to go through this. Absolutely not. And why would you? But here he says, not my will, but yours. There was no other way. There is no other way to get to God. There's no way to earn his presence. There's no way to earn his forgiveness. There's no way to enter into eternal life on your own. You can't do it. The only way is if someone comes down to get you. We, vo- we focus in evangelical circles a lot of times when we say this verse on the, we say it like this, I am the way, the truth, and the life because we really want to score points against relativity. I understand that. I want to suggest to you, let's try it a different way. I don't think he said it that way. I think he said this, guys, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the way. Do you see that? Do you see the difference? If this is true, this is the most generous, beautiful invitation that we could ever have. Because there's no way to get there on our own. And Jesus says, here, climb on my back. Climb on my back. Feel the scars. Feel the wounds. It's for you. Climb on my back. I will take you there. I will take you there. Come with me. I will take you there. It's the only way, and it's a beautiful way. As we go into Easter, let's remember that. He was laying himself down so that he could bring us to his Father. Not so he could bring us to our own mansion, but so he could bring us to his Father's mansion, so he could live with us, so we could be a family. To me, that's pretty good news, isn't it? I'm not trying to give you ammunition so you can talk to people who are upset about Jesus' exclusive claim. You don't have to do that. Most of the time, those, are, those arguments don't go anywhere and you might end up spinning your wheels. I'm telling this for your sake, to remind you that it's not about the things that you do to go to him. It's about what he's done for you. And our lifestyle then becomes a response, a simple thanks, a lifestyle of thanksgiving for what he did, that he took us out that he's given us life, that he's bringing us to the Father. Stand with me, please. I want to invite you to come forward. Uh, prayer team, can we have you guys come up? I want to invite you to come forward if you feel. Uh, it, 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 maybe it's been on your heart that you, you've been trying to do things on your own. Yeah? Is that the thing that some of us go through? If it is, I want you to come forward and we're going to lay those things to rest. Can we do that? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, first we just say thank you. Lord, we want to respond to this invitation again. You are the way, the truth, and the life. Help us to respond to this. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would search our hearts now. 
And if there's any instance of striving towards something that we can't obtain, Lord, forgive us, convict us of those things, and help us to remember that it's only through you that we have life. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Pastor? You're all invited Tuesday night to Cowboy Church. They're having the Living Last Supper. If you haven't seen it, it's well worth your time. It's a wonderful production and displays almost everything pastors talking about this morning. You will see it. So 7 o'clock, Tuesday night, you're all invited. If you want to come forward for prayer for, for that reason, giving yourself over or for healing or anything else, I invite you to come forward. Otherwise, thank you for coming. We'll see you next